Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In today's prophecy update, Pastor J.D. reviews his recent updates to catch us up with the current events. He's been giving prophecy updates for 14 years and is convinced more than ever that the second coming of Jesus is near. This is not a time to fear, but a time to prepare and share Jesus with those around us. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 24th, 2020. I want to address the issue of what happens now by virtue of the fast-moving changes, and they are fast, specifically concerning reopening after the lockdown. In order to do that, I think it would be helpful to get up to speed with all the prophetic developments, of which there are many, that we've covered up to this point. So what follows is a brief recap of sorts, and I'm hoping that by doing this we can hit the ground running with what I want to talk with you about today. On March 29th, we did an urgent prophecy update, and we looked at how and why this crisis may in fact be that which ultimately leads to the rapture of the church, the Antichrist's revelation, and the seven-year tribulation. And here's the thing, in that order. That was on March 29th. April 5th, we addressed specific questions, with biblical answers of course, concerning this global crisis, chief of which was, what if this does not lead to the rapture and the seven-year tribulation? Actually, hang on to that. I want to come back to that uh, here shortly. April 12th, was Resurrection Sunday, and we revisited the Passover prophecy, if you will, fulfilled by the first coming of Jesus Christ vis-a-vis the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In so doing, we looked at the stunning parallels between the plagues in Egypt and the judgments in the tribulation, 
at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the reason it was so stunning is because of the typology, which I want to talk a little bit more about. But the typology as it relates to Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. And the stunning typology is that the plagues that are coming upon the world during the tribulation are really foretold with the plagues that came upon Egypt during that time. On April 19th, we looked at the real possibility of how and why this global crisis was reshaping, even resetting the entire world order, ushering in the new world order. And the reason being is because it looks like as it is happening now, there is this collapsing of governments, crashing of economies, and uniting of religions, all of which seem to be happening as we speak because of this crisis. April 26th. We talked about where all of this seems to be going, namely that of implementing a pre-planned, pre-scripted agenda. I'm choosing to say it that way for a reason. Again, I think you know why. Pre-planned, pre-scripted, pre-programmed agenda that has actually already been in place for many, many years. Specifically, Agenda ID 2020. What's that? Well, it's a plan to create universal digital identities for everyone in the world, the entire population, without which the controlled population cannot access goods and services. It's important to understand, as we talk about population control, that it's not just about reducing the population, which is the Bill Gates Foundation plan that came out of the eugenics movement. It's not just about reducing the population, it's about tracking and controlling the population. May 3rd. We, by this time, we took a closer look at what's really going on. What's this really about? And this because many were waking up to the fact that things didn't add up, which brought up this sobering reality of a lawless deception described in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, as the Apostle Paul says, that is already at work. That brought us to May 10th. It was at this point that I sensed we had passed, pardon me, the proverbial 
even prophetic point of no return, and there was no turning back to life as we once knew it. At this juncture the narrative changed. It was no longer about flattening the curve to return to normal. It all changed. And again, the messaging, the, the, the narrative prescripted. We talked about this and the, the event in New York City on October 18th of last year, just weeks before this thing all started to happen. And you can actually watch online the videos of this roundtable discussion hosted by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and Johns Hopkins University. And it was a simulation of a fictional coronavirus pandemic. And you can watch the videos. They're still there, last time I checked. And they have this script. They were going by a script. How do we control the messaging? How do we control social media? Misinformation. How are we going to, how are we going to do that? Travel. And it all just links together and it became very apparent at this point that we had passed the point and the narrative changed. And now there's no returning to normal until there is a vaccine. <laughs> and even then, it would be a new normal. Have you been hearing this? I mean, my goodness, it's just, I, it, it's, well, I got a lot of things I want to talk about today. We better keep moving. May 17th, last week, in a particularly intense update, we took an in-depth look at what's coming by way of what's known as contact tracing, again, scripted. And HR 6666, which is a House resolution with that number, which is a bill to test, reach, and contact everyone, TRACE, the TRACE Act. That's the acronym, T-R-A-C-E. Test, reach, and contact everyone. I, uh, a couple of uh, friends of mine called and emailed me and said that right after Sunday's update, they started getting calls from contact tracers. And it's kind of like, how did they know? And how did you know? I said, woo! <laughs> they're hiring them. And they're going to test, reach, and contact everyone. My son, uh, flew home from college on Tuesday for the summer from California. And he has to quarantine for 14 days. Uh, pray for him. Pray for us, actually, because, <laughs> I mean, he's going out of his mind, and he's driving us out of our mind. So he gets to the airport. Of course, they take his temperature, and then they get his information. And we were told that they would call to make sure that he stayed home and quarantined. And sure enough, he got his first call like two days later. Uh, are, you, are you quarantined? Yes. Are you feeling any symptoms? No. 
I'm just waiting for the knock on the door, but uh, hopefully that won't come. But that's what this is. Test, reach, and contact everyone. This is what I call trace and race towards a mandated keyword, vaccine, under the banner of Operation Warp Speed. That's where we're at today, and I would submit that this is exactly what's coming in the months ahead. On Wednesday, Forbes published a most interesting report about how COVID-19 relief might include mandated vaccines. In it, they quote Alan Dershowitz, who was interviewed early last week saying, and I quote, listen, if you refuse to be vaccinated, the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. Close quote. Have a nice afternoon. I actually watched that interview. It's on YouTube. I was so flabbergasted. <laughs> I had to actually go back and make sure that I I heard it correctly. In fact, on some YouTube videos, there's three dots below the video. You can click on it and it will give you the manuscript. Oh my goodness, that saved me hours. Oh my goodness, yeah, thank you so much. That's so time consuming. Anyway, enough of my problems. So thank you very much for that. So I watched it over and over again. Then I went to that that transcript, <laughs> manuscript, and I copied it. And I just, I read it with my own eyes. <laughs> and I want to share with you uh, these quotes from that interview. This is Dershowitz now. Let's be very clear how we break down this issue. You have no constitutional right to endanger the public and spread the disease, even if you disagree. You have no right not to be vaccinated. You have no right not to wear a mask. You have no right to open up your business. <laughs> to which Jason Goodman, the interviewer, I, I I did take some time to get the best screenshot that I could. Oh my goodness, there were some facial expressions on the part of the interviewer, Jason Goodman. I mean, he's just going, and his eyes are as big as Volkswagen as he's like, he said, wait, <laughs> can I stop you? No right not to be vaccinated, meaning if they decide you have to be vaccinated, we have to be vaccinated? Then Dershowitz replies saying, absolutely, I'm quoting, and if you refuse to be vaccinated, the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. He goes on to say, quoting, the alternative. Oh, we have an alternative? Yeah. You know what it is? 
according to Dershowitz? Wait for it, here it comes. The alternative is to live in your home and don't get vaccinated and never ever leave your home. But if you want to interact with other people, the Constitution does not give you the right to spread your illness to other people. And you can disagree, you can be a dissenter, but what you can't do is say, now listen to this quote very carefully, I'm quoting, I don't agree with Dr. Fauci. Take the law into my own hands and decide to spread the disease. That is not a constitutional right. Now to his credit, he does cite a precedent in case law, which could be argued because it was not a mandated vaccine that set the precedent. It was the paying of a fine in refusing the vaccine. And that's the the legal citation and precedent that they refer back to in the early 1900s. Well, Goodman, as you might imagine, <laughs> is, he wasn't expecting this. He puts this screenshot up. Obviously the video was edited after the interview, and he inserted these uh, photos, these images into the YouTube video. So he puts this up and says to Dershowitz, and I quote, We're mixing the fields of medicine and law. The proof of something in law seems vastly different than the proof of something in medicine. A lot of the people who are advising us as to the future of vaccines in this country are the very same people that were kicked out of major countries for serious failures and injuries resulting from vaccines that they felt were going to be beneficial. I'm very troubled. This is Goodman, the interviewer. I am very troubled, he says to Dershowitz, by the legality of what you're suggesting, because it seems like we're very close to a government mandate that we must all be vaccinated. It's almost like he's given Dershowitz an out. Walk it back. Take that back. You didn't just say that. Oh yes, you did. So what's Dershowitz going to say to that? I'm quoting, I would like to see a government mandate if a safe vaccine is developed for COVID-19. I hope it's mandated, and I will defend it and argue that in the Supreme Court of the United States against your views. On Thursday, Del Bigtree on his High Wire Talk YouTube channel had a much needed follow-up interview with Dershowitz and asked him for clarification about his statements saying, what I'm curious about is, is there any group right now that you see should be excluded from that type of mandate? Is there anyone that you would say just right up front, look, when I said they can drag you to the hospital and plunge a needle in your arm, I didn't mean for this specific group. 
Is there anyone in your mind right now that fits that scenario that would be exempt from the program? Dershowitz, his answer, quote, Let me start by saying you should not be exempt. Religious people who have a religious objection (laughs) should not be exempt for two reasons. Still quoting, first, the religious objection is nonsense. Christians and Jews can have no religious objection. Look at the Bible. I did. The Torah. I did. The Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. It has chapter after chapter about how to deal with people with communicable diseases. It requires, this is Dershowitz, that you take lepers and put them outside of the wall. There's all kinds of descriptions about how, you know, whether a person still continues to be contagious and the concept of choose life in the Bible, which is often quoted against abortion by Christians. But surely Christian theology, Jewish theology, Muslim theology, ah, oh, so we're all on the same level now, on the same playing field. We all pray to the same God. You see how subtle that is? All the Mosaic religions, the Abrahamic religions, all support preferring a life. And so I wouldn't exempt anybody on religious grounds anymore than I would exempt people on religious grounds from other obligations under the law. Okay, takes your breath away, doesn't it? Let me catch my breath, (laughs) turn a corner here, and explain that the reason I wanted to address this today is because to me it's further confirmation of everything that we've been talking about since this crisis began. At the risk, and I, and I know I run the risk <laughs> of an oversimplification when I say this, but this pre-scripted crisis will eventually result in everyone having to prove, have proof that they're in compliance with said mandated vaccine at some point in the future. It's coming. We don't know when. We really don't know exactly how. But what we do know from Scripture is that a global leader will control control a global population via a global government, a global economy, and a global one world religion. Thanks for joining us for this special Mideast Prophecy Update edition of In Spirit and Truth. We understand how important it is to know what God's Word says, especially in our world today. 
All around us, we see violence and despair running seemingly unchecked. We do what we can to alleviate these crises we encounter, but all the while we know evil is waiting right around the corner. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return one day and finally wipe the enemy's influence from the face of the earth forever. This event is closer than we may think, and it's important to know what to expect. The prophecies we read in the Bible can be confusing, but they do provide us with clues as to what we'll see unfolding in our world as we near the return of our King. Each week in the Mideast Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the current events happening around the globe and holds them up to the lens of God's Word. He shares what God reveals to him with you each week. This information is not meant to scare you, but rather to inspire you to take the gospel message out into the world. Every person needs to have the chance to meet Jesus before he returns and to know what his love and grace can do for them. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available to you on our YouTube channel as well or through our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to find links to both. Thanks for listening today and be sure to join us for the next update right here on In Spirit and Truth.